Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon shares a message entitled Resolution. Every year we make resolutions, hoping that this year will be better than last year. How often, though, do we make resolutions that further the kingdom of God? Uh, real quick, before we get into the word this morning, I do want to say just one more time about that service next week. I know we haven't talked about this before. It's something been on my heart for a couple of weeks where just been praying through it and it just has not gone away. And I believe with all my heart that God would have us to do this, not just for our people, but if you know people who, um, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is, they are in need. We're just going to come and we're going to allow Jesus to minister to them that night. It's not about me or anybody else praying for them. It's about what Jesus Christ wants to do. And I just believe that, that the scripture is true when Jesus was there and, and, and they would bring all the sick, all the demon possessed to him. And it said he healed them all. And I believe that that's God's heart and our desire as a loving father. He desires that we would be whole and complete, lacking nothing. And so I I encourage you, we don't do this very often. We don't do anything on on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, because we like to give you opportunity to be with your family um, and and just to to love on your family. I mean, we're so busy today. But this is something that I believe is important, not just for us as a church, but for everybody. So we're going to come. It's a little different for some people. I realize that. But come and, and let's just agree together that the Lord would touch people that night and bring wholeness to their body. I do want to start talking to you a little bit about resolutions because, I mean, we all, whether we like name it, we all have things. I mean, how many of you want 2010 to be better than 2009? I mean, if you don't put your hand up, we'll take you out back, shoot you, and go ahead and throw you in the ditch. Because everybody wants 2010 to be better than 2009. I mean, come on. Nobody say, well, 2009 was so incredibly awesome. I just need, I need to rest. I don't even need any more blessing in my life. I'll just take whatever comes. We want 2010 to be better. Um, and so I want to talk to you about that. If you have your Bibles, turn to um, Psalm chapter 39. I want to read one through seven to you. And then we're going to jump in here. Psalm 39, beginning in verse one. It says, I said, and this is David, I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth as long as the wicked are in my presence. But when I was silent and still, not even saying anything good, my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me, and as I meditated, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. And it says, pause. Man is a mere phantom as he goes to and fro. He bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. And he says, but now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we praise you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here today. God, um, we just ask that you would anoint this. It would speak to our hearts, change our lives. Give us direction today, God. As we start this new year, God, help us to have faith to believe for bigger things. Help us to have faith to believe, God, that your hand is upon our life and that you're moving and working in every detail. God, I thank you that, that, you're all know, that you know everything about us and yet you still come after us, God. You passionately pursue us through the good and the bad. But I thank you that you care so much for us you even know the number of hairs on our head. I pray that we would take comfort in that and that as we go into this new year it be a year of faith and not fear god just speak to us through your word 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to sum up verses 1 through 3 real quick for you. Basically, he's talking about um, some external circumstances, some things that are going on in his life. And he says, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And then even when he keeps his mouth shut, things seem to still get out of control. Things seem to still spin out of control in his life. And basically what he's done is he's made a vow and he realizes he cannot keep it. How many of you have ever done that? You made a vow and you get into it and you realize you cannot keep it. And this is where David was. He's like, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to do anything. He goes, ah, can't help it. And I thought about that. I thought about how much is that like our New Year's resolutions? How much is that like the things when we decide that today is the day I'm going to change something about my life. Then we get into it. We make a vow. I'm going to do this. And it isn't long before we realize, oh, man, I can't do this. This is out. This is beyond my control. But it's so funny how we get into it year after year after year. And the crazy thing is, it's easy to get to a point where we just even quit trying. Right? I mean, are there not things in our lives that we finally, we've tried and we've tried and we've tried and we kicked and we kicked and we kicked and we finally get to a point where we just say, dang, I'm just going to give up. It's not even worth trying. It's just like we got in that pit like this poor little fella here and there's not a ladder there. We just feel like we can't get out of this pit. Well, I want to tell you a resolution is a firm decision. This is the definition. A firm decision that you make to do or to not do something. So we sit here and we decide I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to cuss anymore. And then you hit your finger with a hammer and the next thing that comes out is a cuss word, right? Or we say, I'm not going to look at women anymore. My eyes are going to be pure. I'm going to watch what I watch. And you're flipping the TV around and darned if they aren't selecting the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. (laughs) Now, it's just real. Come on. I mean, every guy in here that has cable has had that happen before. You're flipping the TV and you're like, oh, gosh. You know? And your wife always walks in right at the moment. It goes past the channel. And... But we do that. We make these decisions. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. The problem is we, we make this firm decision and we can say it. It reminds me of when Jesus was there and, and he tells them he's going to die. And Peter goes, I'll tell you what, Jesus, I'll die with you. I'll die with you, Jesus. I promise I'll make a vow that I will die with you, Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and he's like, Peter, come on. I know what you're going to do. You're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me. You're going to desert me. You're going to flee just like the rest. Oh, no, I won't. But he did. And so we make these vows. We make these professions of things we're going to do. And it just seems like it never happens. Is that right? I mean, we want to do better. We want to do right. We want to. It just doesn't happen. And I believe that the reason it doesn't happen is, is there's a lot of reasons. But I believe the biggest one is because we leave the most important element out of our resolutions. See, the greatest resolution you can make this year is that in 2010, I'm going to live for God like I've never lived before. I'm going to serve God like I've never served him before. I am going to submit my life to the life of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to find new life. You know what I've found is the closer I press into Christ, the more all these stupid little issues in my life begin to take care of themselves. You know what? Instead of seeing a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader dancing around, I can begin to see that as, as somebody's daughter, as a child of God. And let me tell you, that is only a work of God. Is it not? But we can begin to see things differently. Jesus begins to give us his eyes to see life the way he sees it.
See, listen, the problem is not necessarily um, the, the fact that we need to be in church more. The problem is we need to get to know God a little more. When we begin to know God more, we'll desire to be in the house of God. We'll be like David when he said, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. It won't be on Sunday morning where we wake up and we go, oh, God, I bet he's going to be boring today. Probably talk for 55 minutes today. I bet he will. I'm going to watch him. Time him. See how long he talks. You know, I mean, come on. It just, it don't be like I, there's someone I knew who would, who would at the end of the, the 12 o'clock came and, and they would look and they would start tapping their watch at the preacher like this. And, and, and can you imagine, how bad would that be? I haven't had that happen yet, but, but come on, that's pretty bad. But really, so many of the, the resolutions we make, they just simply miss the point. They miss the real issue. It would be like having the flu. It would be like having some type of, of, of virus and going and getting treated for a cough. You see, you're not dealing with the real problem. You can treat the cough all you want to, but until you deal with the root of what's inside of you, it's not going away. You can drink cough syrup like crazy, but it's not going to heal you. If we need areas in our lives healed, then we need to come to the one who can heal them. And that's not me. That's not you. That's Jesus Christ. And he's the one. So many of us have, have come through into 2009. And in 2009, your life was in shambles. It was falling apart. And God has touched your life and he has begun to heal that. He has begun to minister to that. Things were falling apart. And in your life, God has begun to put those things back together. Am I right? Some of you here today are testimonies to that. Some of you right now are sitting here and you're in the middle of the storm. You're in the middle of the storm and you're sitting here and I want to tell you that if God did it for them, he'll do it for you. God is, he doesn't have favorites. If God put their marriage back together, he'll put yours back together. If God got their kids saved, he'll get yours saved. If God brought their kid out of alcohol and drugs, which we've seen happen here, then he'll do the same for your children. God's desire is that you would walk into 2010, come out of 2010, whole and complete, lacking nothing. God's desire is for 2010 to be the best year of your life. How many of you had perfect years in 2009? Anybody? No? Guess what? I doubt 2010 is going to be perfect either. But see, the cool thing is the one who is perfect has 2010 in the palm of his hand already. He's got your life. He can direct it. He can move it. He can take care of it for you. The question is, are we making resolutions that really even matter? Are we making a resolution to go to God with our whole heart and say, Jesus, 2010 is your year. I mean, we could come up with all these cool slogans with 2010, 2010, do it again. I don't know what it might be, but you see these things on all these church signs. God forbid we ever have a church sign with a marquee. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I cannot stand those. Because you always have to find some corny saying to put on them. And I do not want one. But would it not be easier and a lot more simple to just say in 2010, I'm going to press into God like I never have before. Do you know that you will not get to be a hundred years old? Well, you probably won't live to hundred, 70 years old and get to the end of your life and look back and say, why did I serve God? Oh, all those years I wasted. 
All those years I wasted worshiping Jesus. Because the thing you find is when you begin to press into God, God begins to change your entire life. And even in the imperfections of an entire year, you look back and you realize that through it all, you soared above the crap. I said it again. Crap. But you soar above all the mess of life. And some of you right now are standing on the brink of going through some difficult times. And you know, you know that they're probably coming. But is not God bigger? It's not God bigger than those times. Listen, if you look back over the difficult times in your life, can you not see the hand of God? If you look back over 2009, even in the most difficult things, God was faithful to you, right? This is, I don't have to go very far to prove this because you're still here. There is still breath in your body. So God was faithful to bring you through 2009. Now listen, some of us come to church and we look dead, but none of you are actually dead. So that you're here, God is here. He has breathed life into your body. Do you realize that when God took Adam and he made this little castle, on, like what we do on the beach, he made this little man out of this dirt and, and he got down on his knees and he breathed life into Adam and he breathed that breath into Adam and he went, <sighs> do you realize that hasn't stopped? That has never stopped. Since the creation of man, right now, as you sit here, you have the breath of God on the inside of you. Do you see that? It's been going forever, forever (laughs) in your life. He's still here. He's still alive. Listen, last week we talked about the fact he has not forgotten you. Every day is a gift of God. It's God's grace in your life. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon your life. The Bible says that he sends rain on the good and the evil. It doesn't mean he brings calamity on the good and the evil. It means he showers blessing on the good and the evil. Even the sinner who is the farthest away from God right now is under the blessing of God because he has breath in his body. And it is only by God's grace that you and I take our next breath. And so as we enter into 2010, we have reason to rejoice because there is still breath in our body. And if you are saved and you are a Christian and you have given your life to God and Jesus Christ is your Lord, you really have reason to celebrate. You really have reason to rejoice because even when the breath stops in your body, you don't die. You go to be with God, the Father. And Jesus Christ in heaven. And you get to spend eternity rejoicing around his throne. Was it just me? Or was worship pretty incredible today? Was it not incredible today? Was God not here? I mean, you know, you just had to check your pulse because God was so here. He's so faithful that when we worship him, that he shows up. And the Bible says that when we get to heaven, we get to join around the throne of God and worship him. Crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Almighty, We get to worship him in heaven. When people would say things, holy, 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 they would say it three times. And, and for Jews, that meant it was, it was done. It was per- there was nothing any better. So they were saying, God, you were perfect. You were holy, holy, holy. There's none better. And we get to stand and rejoice around the throne of God. So if you are here today and you are a Christian, you get to go into 2010 knowing that even when the breath in this tent of a body stops, I get to rejoice around the throne of God. Amen. 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 So yep, let's, let's praise him today. Just clap. Just do something. Everybody put your, yes. 
Thank you. It doesn't hurt. See, like, listen, it's not because we do this in church and, and, and this is just, we do this in church. It's like we, the only time we think our hands work is at the end of a song, right? I mean, we get to the end of the song and you're kind of like, And it kind of just builds, but it's okay to praise God other than like at the end of a song. We can worship God in everything we do. You can be riding down the road and worship God. You can be in here and somebody says something that's good, whether it's Sean or me, whoever, and you can say, oh, wow, praise God. They work. They work. So we can worship God. We, we can come into the house of God. He's breathed life into our bodies. And I believe by the Holy Spirit that he would breathe life just, just, just oozes out of you. And how many of you would just like to, just to walk and you just leave a ooze of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit? Just a ooze. And that sounds nasty, but how many, come on. You just like, you know, somebody just walks behind you and they walk through the ooze and they're just like, whoa, go whoa. You know, but come on, the Bible says that rivers of living water will flow from our body when we are full of the Holy Spirit. That's got to flow out on top of somebody. Come on. And I just believe when we begin to worship him. And see, here's the thing that we've got to realize. I read it again this week where they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant. See, David, David was afraid to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. It was where the temple, the, like the whole, the God, God, that, yeah, God. He was supposed to be between the wings of the cherubim. He was supposed to be right there between the cherubim. And so David was afraid because God had killed this guy who had touched the Ark of the Covenant. And so he was afraid to bring it to Jerusalem. But David goes and, and, and he put it in the house of Obed-Edom. How would you like to be the one that gets stuck with the thing that's been killing people? But what they began to realize is that Obed-Edom began to be so blessed because the presence of God was in his house. David began to realize that he goes back and he brings the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And as he's coming along, this is when you hear about David dancing like naked. He's dancing, he's spinning. Can you just see David? It had to look like a Pentecostal church all up around the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, he's spinning, he's dancing, he's whirling, he's going crazy. And his wife gets upset with him. I know none of you men have ever had your wife upset with you. But she got upset with him and she gets mad with him and she's scorning him. She's telling him, I can't believe you. Look at all the servant girls. They're looking at you. You know, men, you've heard that. You know that voice, rocka, 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 rocka. you know, you know that voice well. And, and he looks at her and he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I'll become even more undignified than this. In other words, let me tell you something, sister, you haven't seen anything yet. You wait. And I think that some of us need to enter 2010 praising God like we've never praised him before. I believe we've got to get to a place where we begin to just let it all go. We just begin, maybe you've never raised your hands, but you know what? Sometimes the Holy Spirit will just arrest you and you've got to put your hands in the air to worship God. You know, today I'm up here and man, whoop, something jumped me. Whoop, whoop, felt kind of pentecostal. Whoop, whoop, started feeling this. And I'm sitting down there and, and all of a sudden I had to do this little jump thing. I'm not a good dancer. I don't dance, but there was something that just said, you got to dance. And so I'm kind of like, like this, you know, but come on. When are we going to get to a point where we don't care what the person next to us thinks about us? When are we, are we going to go into 2010 still bound to the expectations of our neighbor? Or are we going to go into 2010 living like we've never lived before? 
because God is calling us to go into 2000. It's a new year. It's a new beginning. And if you look back on your life and you see the faithfulness of God, God has brought some of you through the fires of hell and he has brought you through that. And if you look back on it, you can enter 2010 in faith. Amen. Yes. Thank you. You can enter it. I told you, I told you they work. They work. They, they still work. It doesn't have to be at the end of a song. They work. And so we enter 2010 knowing that God is faithful. And if he brought us through 2009, he's brought us through our life, through hell and high water, then we can enter it with confidence knowing that God has got good things in store for us. And I want you to think about that. The Bible says that if we hope in the Lord, then we'll mount on wings like eagles and soar. So I want you to get a picture of this. You're walking through life and, and, and you're going along. And the road begins to dip and it begins to go down in that valley. Christians love to talk about valleys. Oh, it's in the valley. And so we walk and we're going in the valley. But think about this. If you're on the wings of eagles and the road begins to dip, what do you begin to do? You begin to soar higher because the road went down in a valley, but God carried you on his wings. He carried you across. So that means all the junk that you were supposed to go through is beneath your feet. Is that not what the Bible tells us? That he has seated us in heavenly places, in heavenly realms, and that it's all at our feet. We are in heaven. That is our home. We are there. And God's desire is that he would raise us above the junk, even when life begins to stink. That we soar on wings like eagles. See, I want to tell you a couple of things today out of this scripture. Because it goes on and what ends up happening is that, that David is looking at his life. See, these external circumstances cause him to make a vow. But then he begins in the silence to look at his life. And what he realizes is this. He realizes that his life is but a vapor. See, the thing is, sometimes the problem with our resolutions and the things we want to do in life is that we just focus on things that are fleeting. I'm about 34 years old now. I'm getting older. And one thing I have realized is that it is true what old people tell you all your life, that your metabolism does slow down. I have realized this to be a true fact because I can run all I want to. I can watch what I eat all I want. I can work out all I want to. And the thing that I realize is these love handles just, they just keep hanging around, you know? Amen. Thank you. Yes. And, and they just don't go away. I think it's demonic, you know, they just hang on, they cling. And so we focus so much on, on things like our weight. We and it's good. I mean, come on, it's good. But we focus on things that they just don't matter. That are fleeting. Do you realize that your life, the Bible says that your life is like a hand breath before God. That means it's about four inches in the sight of God. You've thought about all the people that have gone before you. Bam, that's your life. Your life is but a breath. Some translation says it's a vapor, gone. Have you ever watched like during the summertime, maybe you play football and you were out on the practice field early in the morning and the dew was on the ground. You could actually, it was really hot. You could actually see the steam coming off of the ground and pretty soon within 30 minutes to an hour, it was all gone. Do you realize that is our life before God? Are we investing our life in things that really matter? Or are we just spending them on things that aren't going to make a difference? Are we spending them on things that, that aren't going to change anything eternally? See, I think we can come up with better resolutions than losing 10 pounds. Nothing wrong with that. 
I think we could come up with better resolutions than, uh, than going to the gym more. I think we can come up with things that will affect people for eternity, like bringing food for the food bank, like going and serving at Habitat for Humanity, like stopping and bringing somebody to church that you may not even know, like Kevin did a couple of weeks ago. Are we really investing in things that will make an eternal difference? We have to begin to look at that. Another thing is that happens so many times is that we just begin to quit striving for more. We just get to a place where we want, where status quo is okay. And how many of us live our life this way? I don't want to expect too much from God because I'll get disappointed. Or I don't want to expect too much of God because, you know, if I can just, I don't want to be greedy. If I can just have this, I'll be okay. And yet I believe God wants to shower us with so much blessing on our life. And I'm not talking about just money. Listen, if God only lives in your wallet, then God is too small. Amen. Amen. God wants you whole. He wants you complete, not lacking anything. How many of us who are sinful and evil, as the Bible says, have children and what we want the best for them? How much more does our heavenly father desire that for us to not lack anything, not one good thing? I mean, come on. Are we really down to just wanting to lose a couple of pounds? Is that the best we can dream? Or are we going to begin to strive for something that's so much bigger, so much better Are we going to let God out of the box so that he can begin to do things in our life that other people say can't be done? You know, the problem with people who come and slander you and gossip to you and backbite you and try to kill your dreams is the reason they do that is because they gave up on their dream. When they can't dream for themselves, they have to try to come and steal yours. And I'll just tell you this, don't listen to a bunch of idiots. You live your life for God and you believe that God can do everything and anything that he says. Listen, your provider is not your employer. Your provider is not your hands. Your provider is God almighty. And he's got plenty to go around. Amen. Amen. Another thing that we do is, is as I said earlier, we, we don't let our resolutions deal with the real problem. See, listen, here's the thing that, that we've got to see, the thing we've got to look at is, is if our resolution is to, to lose 10 pounds, I say, the problem is not the 10 pounds or 15 pounds or 20 pounds. The problem is, and I'm just going to say this, it's because we're lazy and undisciplined, Right? I mean, is that not true? We're too lazy to exercise. And this is a plug for 180 Fitness. So if you need to go, I'm sure their membership goes way up in January. And then I'm sure January, February, March, probably in April, it goes back down because the three months is up. Because we go in, we want to commit to more than one month, but we don't want to commit to a whole year because we know we'll never make it. So we do the three months and by March we're done and we're back eating donuts again. And, and donuts are good. But... But the real problem is that we're lazy. We're undisciplined. We can't make ourselves exercise because we're too lazy. And we can't push away from the table because we're undisciplined. And I would dare say that a lot of those traits carry over into our spiritual life. Do they not? We're too lazy to exercise spiritually. And we're too undisciplined to eat from the word of God. And so we just are. And we become lazier and we become more undisciplined and it just grows and grows. And I just don't believe that that's how we want to enter 2010. I believe that God would have better for us. You know, Paul said that physical exercise is great, good. He said, but 
But godliness is much better because it benefits you not only in the future, but it benefits you now, the life you have now. See, God is, is, is not just interested in once you sign out and you go to heaven, he's interested right now. The life of God is now. He wants to change you now. He wants to give you better life now as you begin to enter into 2010. It is now. How many of you believe that today? See, we got to get it from our head to our heart. We got to get it from our heart and our spirit. See, there's something that happens when God begins to, to speak to your spirit. Nobody can change your mind. I believe with all my spirit in my knower, this little thing right in this region here, I just believe that 2010 is going to be incredible. I believe that we're going to see people saved out the wazoo. I believe that we're going to see people healed physically, spiritually, emotionally. I believe that that's why God put it on my heart to have a healing service in the first or the second Sunday of January. Because we're going to kick this thing off right. We're going to glorify Jesus through all the ways that Jesus works in our life. And 2010 is going to be an incredible year. As we come before him, man, he, there are things that he will do that, that we only dream about. And I believe that with my whole heart. Now, if you had asked me about a week ago, if you had asked me on Monday, as a matter of fact, that uh, what's 2010 going to hold? You know, last week I preached a message called Forgotten. And I think that during that message I got forgotten. But um, because of the way it went, it didn't feel like it went that well. But that was sort of where I was at that time. I sort of felt like, God, what's going on? What, what's happening? You know, why, 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 what's, why are we not seeing some of the things we were seeing before? God, it's been a, a couple of months, two, three months since we saw somebody get saved, God. What's going on? You know, this is what we got into it for. And I mean, I was really sort of getting down. I was getting beat up by myself a lot. I was going through some things and I could see in Susan, there was just a difference in her countenance and, 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 and but we just kept pressing. And you know, the thing that happens too many times is when we begin to get in that place, it's easy for us to begin to withdraw from God. It's easy for us to begin to back up. And I'm telling you, that's not the time to withdraw. That's the time to press in. It's the time to keep going. It's the time to move on. And we wasn't a feeling. We didn't have a goosebump, but we just kept pressing. We just kept going. We knew that there was no other option than Jesus Christ. We knew that we couldn't manipulate this church to happen. We couldn't manipulate people to salvation. We had to depend on God. We kept pressing in. And I want to tell you, this week was incredible. On Tuesday, I went for a run. I, 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 you know, I do try to exercise physically, even though I know the people at the gym look at me when I walk in and they're like, this guy's been coming here for six years. He hadn't changed any. I'm like, I know, I know. I just kind of add a pound every year or two pounds or five pounds. And, and you know, it's you try. And, and so I go and I decided to run and, and, you know, I had big ambitions. I'm like, I'm going to run five miles today. I'm going to have it run five miles in like five years, but I decided I'm going to run five miles today. And so I start out from the church and I go around and I went by the stadium and I came back out and I got to sweetheart circle and I'm running and I was listening to one of my favorite preachers and, and, you know, and, and God was just ministering to me through that word. And I want to tell you something, this is really cool. I'm going to put my Bible down now. 
But I was running, and Susan bought me some new earbuds. These aren't them, but these are, these are similar to them. And she bought these for my iPod, and I'm listening to this guy preach. And now you got to figure, I've run about three miles. When you're 10, 15 pounds overweight, you run three miles, you're hurting, right? And, and so I'm running. The message is finally over. I was just like, praise God, I made it through a Pentecostal preacher's message while I ran the whole time. That's pretty awesome, you know, because it's pretty long. And so I made it the whole way. And I get around there almost to Sweetheart Circle, and, and my iPod was out. And I don't know about you, but I'm way too uncoordinated to be able to change my iPod and run at the same time. Have any of you ever tried to do that? It's really bad, especially when you're on the treadmill at the gym and you're trying to run and and you're kind of looking like this because it never fails. I come off of the treadmill and you're running like this. And then all of a sudden you hear because your your foot, if you've ever been to the gym, you'll hear that noise every now and it's because somebody almost died. That's what it's from. It's because they almost died and their foot hits the black on the, the plastic and it is, and, and so then you try to play it off. It doesn't work. Everybody's like, idiot. And so I realized I have to stop to change my iPod. And, and I was, I was, I was feeling the, the presence of God through the word as I was listening to it. I'm running, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm running and I'm, it's all I can do not to just run like this because I just, you know, I'm like, I, I knew God was there and I'm like wanting to raise my hand. And I mean, I'm like, no, somebody will think that somebody's like behind me with a gun and 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 then I was running along and I saw this girl slowing down with her car. And I was like, hey, man, she's checking me out. And then I was like, oh, no, she thinks I'm dying. She was trying to give me a ride. I finally realized what the real purpose was. And so it kind of crushed my ego again. But I'm running, and, and I get to the end of the message, and, and, and I put these things in. And the cool thing was when I stopped my iPod, all I could hear was me breathing. It was so cool. I mean, these, these don't work as well, but the new ones I got, man, you, you put those in, and everything goes silent. And I could hear myself breathing. Now, you got to picture me running five miles. I hadn't run this far along. I'm on my, my third, three, three and a half miles. And all of a sudden, I stop. <sighs> I'm breathing hard. And all I could hear was my own breath. And I'm just breathing, and I'm breathing. And right then, guys, God spoke to me and said, Brandon, as long as you have breath in your body, I'm not finished with you. As long as you have breath in your body. You're going to keep going. As long as you have breath in your body, you're still moving towards your destiny. Don't give up. Don't give up. And so I'm like, and, and I felt something leap up in my belly. And you know, belly, that thing right there. I felt something leap up in my belly like I haven't felt in a long time. And I just want to tell you as I'm there, it leaps up. The only thing, the first thing that jumped in my head is that when Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist and Mary walks into the room with her and it says that the baby leapt in her womb. That was the first thing that popped in my head and I felt this thing just jump up inside of me. If that sounds weird to you, you really need to try it. You really need to just let the Holy Spirit just bounce one time in your, in your, inside your belly. It was an amazing thing. And the next thing I know, here I am, I've ran three miles. I get all what we call geeked up. I'm all, you know, my, my, I've got goosebumps. I'm ready to go. I got my earphones in. I put it on a, a worship team. I take off running and I'm running as fast as I can. Look, I'm running in a washing machine, you know, just like this, just sideways. And I'm running as fast as I can. And, and I, and, and pretty soon I'm like giving out, but, but God was so there. 
He was so present in that moment. And, and I'm running and I'm running. And finally, I start to give out. And I give out right at the bottom of a hill. And I'm like, come on. And so I'm trying to get up this hill. And the thought came into my mind. I was like, God, is this what it's going to be like from now on? Am I going to run hard and then get tired and then grow weary? Am I just going to run and then give out? What's going to, I mean, is this, is this how life happens, God? And I heard it so clearly. I heard God speak to my heart so clearly. And he says, those who hope in the Lord will mount up on wings like eagles and soar. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. And man, I want to tell you how much that ministered to me. Going into a new year, God says, if you will hope in me, if you will hope in me, as long as there is breath in your body, then you are moving towards your destiny then you are moving towards what I created you for. Then you have not been forgotten that the plan of God is still for your life to produce fruit in his kingdom. Are y'all hearing that? Does that make sense? Are you getting that? You're all breathing. The plan of God is still active in your life. God still has a great purpose. Even though you're facing the fires of hell, God is still there. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going through the fiery furnace, do you remember what Nebuchadnezzar saw? He saw another one. One that looked like the son of God, the son of man, walking around with them in the fire. Jesus was there in the fire and he will be there when the fire comes in your life. 2010, you can enter 2010 in faith and not fear. In faith and not fear. God Almighty the creator of heaven and earth who made more stars than we could possibly count, who created all the universe, all the God, everything that you can imagine has got 2010 in the palm of his hand. And I can promise you this, if you will cling to Christ, 2010 will be a good year for you because even in the junk, God's bigger. Even in the, the mess, God's bigger. But I promise you this, if you live your life apart from God, and there'll be more destruction. There'll be more, there'll be more uh, uh, pain. But when we live close to Christ, even when we go through the hard times, he's there. Now I want to do a little exercise with you. You notice we put earplugs in your chair. Now, we didn't do that because the music's so loud. I know you thought the, the music was too loud, so we put ear, they will not be there next week. But this is what I want you, this is an interactive part of our church. I want you to take those earplugs and I want you to pretend that you are me and that you have just run about three miles, okay? And, and, and I want you to stick, you've got to put these things deep in your, now you've got to take them out in a minute. Okay, some of you had them in the whole sermon and I do not appreciate that. But in a minute, you're going to have to take these things out. And I want to talk to you just a little bit. But right now, I want you to put them in. And I want you to, to breathe. You, you might have to breathe hard. But I want you to hear your breath. Put mine in too. Can you hear it? Huh? You got to breathe like a fat guy that just ran five miles now. Can you hear it? Do you hear your breath? And so you don't have to have earplugs to do this. You can take them out now. But you can hold on. Or you can just stick your fingers in your ears like your kids do when they don't want to do what you tell them to. But you can hear your breath. And as long as you have breath in your body, 
God is still at work. As long as you're still breathing, God still has a plan and his plan is bigger. Listen, we cannot fathom the things that God would do in our lives. But are we going to yield to that or are we going to continue to live our own way? Is 2010 going to be the year that our greatest resolution is I'm going to serve God like never before. That I'm going to honor God like never before in every area of my life with my family, with my children, with my finances, with my job, with my boss, with all of these. How am I going to serve? God that's the greatest thing you can decide today as you go into 2010 I believe big things for 2010 greater things listen God is bigger than a recession I want to tell you real quick we started last November as many of you know we had 12 people at the first meeting 13 people at the next meeting and seven at the next we were cut in half already they heard that I was actually going to preach at that meeting and only seven of them came back but you know, over the summer, we hit 195. You know that, that uh, right, right when fall, the, the spring, uh, fall classes came in, we hit 195. You know that probably over the last four or five months, we've averaged about 150. It's been down over Christmas with students gone. But you know that, that we started out, we had no church backing us. We had nobody giving us money, but we've never liked one thing since we started. You know, when we decided we were going to start to knock out this wall in here that used to go from that funny shaped little thing right there across here. And if I were standing here about six months ago, I would have been standing in a pool. And over there is a hot tub. Don't get excited. It didn't work. I'd have been in it every day. I'd be like kicked back, like counseling appointments and not like, yeah, well, tell me your problem, you know. But we decided we were going to take down the wall. We decided we were going to knock it down. Do you know we, we, put, we put more into it than we thought? That's how it always works. But you know, we went to the bank and we borrowed $20,000 to finish the construction. You know what God did? God, we thought we were in faith that God would pay it off by February. God paid it off in less than two weeks. We had people start coming and giving money. I was like, man, I didn't know you had that kind of money. I'd have been hanging out with you a lot more if I'd known you had that kind of money. God paid it off in less than two weeks. We signed the note on a a Friday, and by a couple of Wednesdays later, the thing, I wrote the check to pay the whole thing off. God did that. God took care of that. We had somebody come and say, hey, uh, I want to give $8,000 to the church. And I was like, cool. And then they came back later. They said, you know, I've been praying, and I really think what I need to do is write a check for $25,000. I was like, no, you don't need to. No, I didn't say that. I said, yeah, that's, uh, I think you heard God. I am pretty sure that that was God. I don't have to think a lot about this. I may say, yeah, that was God. And so, I mean, God has taken care of us so much. Every time, even when we were first starting, we didn't have a projector. Our projector was borrowed and it was going back on that Monday. We had a service on Monday. Somebody calls me. I'm on the way to Lakeland to school. They call me and they say, listen, um, do you have a projector? I said, no, I don't have a projector. They said, yes, you do. You have a projector. I was like, no, I don't have a projector. They said, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. They said, yes. He's like, Brandon, I'm buying you a projector. I was like, oh, cool. But God was right on time. He was right on time. He's met every single need. I mean, God, blessing after blessing after blessing. Every time we thought that something would happen, that, oh, man, what are we going to do? God showed up in a mighty, mighty way. And I want to tell you, it's not about the money. It's, It's not about money. Listen, God's got plenty of money. It's just about seeing his faithfulness in all these different ways. It's not about how big the check was. It was about the fact that God met every need. 
And he's going to continue to meet those needs. And he doesn't just do it for this church. He does it in our individual lives. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that today? Amen. Because that is what God wants. He wants the people. He wants his children to lack nothing. That even when the crap of life comes, we soar above. And we can live a life that is full of the spirit of God. And that we can, we can demonstrate the glory of God throughout 2010. God desires for 2010 to be your best year yet. The only thing we have to decide is, am I going to press into him? Amen? Well, let's pray. Let's stand up. Let's pray.